Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the third Sunday after Pentecost, June 26, 2022, offered at the Church of the Messiah in Heflin, Alabama. The principal text of the sermon is Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and verses 13 through 25. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we're reading scripture in church, you probably didn't know that Paul's letter to the Galatians is a really angry letter. Paul is very upset with the community that he is writing to. So upset that just a few chapters before our reading today, he declares, you foolish Galatians. He's writing to a group of churches that are in a Roman province in what we now would know as uh, the country Turkey. The precise timing and where in that province these communities are that he's writing the letter to is a little uncertain. Though we know in the book of Acts, Paul would go to this place twice. um, And in between his two trips, there would be the Council of Jerusalem where Paul and Peter and the other apostles would make certain decisions concerning what it meant to be a Christian, particularly as how that related to the law that their, their Jewish communities followed. A lot of it came down to, did Christians have to keep the dietary laws of Judaism? Did men have to be circumcised? And these were ongoing conversations that at the Council of Jerusalem, there was some decisions made that said that if you were a Gentile becoming a Christian, you did not have to observe those practices. So it's possible, right, Paul could be angry because he's writing to this community after the Council of Jerusalem and they should have known better. Or maybe what we see here, if Paul is writing earlier than the Council, is how important it is to Paul that we understand as followers of Christ that the only thing that is needed for our relationship with God is faith. That the practice of circumcision, of keeping the law, all of those things that we had practiced before were no longer needed because it was faith alone that now connected us to God. Last week, we heard from an earlier part of this letter, Paul described that we are a new creation in Christ. That all of the divisions that we normally think of, Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, all of those are erased through our baptism and into the body of being baptized into the body of Christ. This morning, we get a little bit more of the story and what Paul understands to be happening because this morning, Paul writes that Christ has set us free. And that it is faith alone that is needed for us to attain that freedom from God. Now the law that our Jewish siblings had kept up to this point, right, was about living a righteous life. Paul is not saying that it was bad or wrong for people to keep the law and to follow those practices. Paul himself was a faithful Jewish man before he was converted to Christianity. 
But what Paul is saying, that the life in Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, something new was now happening in the world. We see that he doesn't want to do away with the law completely, but what he wants us to do is, as Jesus would teach us, is the summary of the law, right? What the law all adds up to, all of those rules and practices are all about getting to the heart and understanding of the law that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. This summation of the law is important because this is what teaches us what freedom is that is offered in Christ, right? So Paul says, for the sake of freedom, Christ has set you free. Our freedom is not about being able to do whatever we want whenever we want to do it. It's not about our selfish desires. It's not about us being happy Our freedom is about being free to love and serve our neighbors as we love and serve ourselves. Now, with the gift of the Spirit, we face the same problems that were there before that the law tried to address. But Paul is saying that the difference, that the fact that we have the Holy Spirit means that we are finally able, we are finally free enough to act and to live in the life of holiness that God called us to. So Paul says we should live by the Spirit, not by the law. And that's a bit scary, right? Because that means that it is up to us in our freedom to figure out what the right thing is to do. There's not some set of rules or guidelines other than we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves, and that we should be led by the Spirit into the world. Well, that's a lot of different ways that we can go in that. And when we look at the world around us, which seems to be very much governed by people doing and acting on what they want to do in their personal freedom, it can become very hard to figure out what the right thing is to do. Many of you know that my last 10 days have not been what I planned. Within our diocesan family, we had a shock 10 days ago when there was a shooting at one of our churches in Birmingham, right? We live in a world where gun violence is a reality, but none of us ever thought that it would happen here and that it would happen to us. Right? We stood there on that Thursday night, shocked. We gathered and said prayers. We did all the things that Episcopalians know how to do, right? which is hug each other, take care of each other, and offer what has happened up to God in our prayers. This week, we had the celebrations of life for each of the persons that were killed, Bart, Sharon, and Jane. Each had a separate service at St. Stephen's, and each service was filled to capacity and then some with people that were coming to celebrate and witness to how these people touched their lives. I stood there um, outside. I didn't take a seat inside because I figured there were lots of other people that needed to be seated in the church. But I heard again and again from 
from family, from people that were in attendance at the service, to the clergy that preached the homilies at the funerals, these wonderful stories about how Bart and Sharon and Jane were guided by the Spirit in their lives and how their lives were marked by these things that Paul talks about, how they were marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity, right? These were people that were strong in their faith, that were quick to serve other people, to always ask, what can we do to help? They lived in humble service, and their lives bore fruit of the Spirit, and the hundreds of people that came to celebrate their lives witnessed to that fact. Outside of sort of this local shock, right, that we've had in our diocesan community, we have a country that is experiencing pain and fear and anxiety in our common life together. It seems like some people are ready and quick to celebrate changes in our common life, but that many people are also grieving and are scared. It's not that unusual for maybe what we've been going through for the past six years, but the events of this last week seem to have pushed us to a breaking point in our national discord and strife. We've been yelling at each other since 2016, and I don't think we have found a way to remind ourselves that what we need to do is hear each other. Paul warns us. We have freedom, and that freedom can be marked by love of neighbor and service, or it can be marked by us biting and devouring one another. It is by the Spirit that we can transform what Paul calls the work of the flesh into something new. Now the church has at times focused too much on maybe the more sensational items in the list. We've talked about fornication and sorcery and drunkenness and occasionally carousing. But we are maybe a little bit quicker to sort of skirt over what's in the rest of the list. Idolatry, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, factions. The works of the flesh aren't so much about what we might call vices and sins as they are about us taking our selfish desires and putting them between ourselves and our neighbors and God. It's what makes us lose sight of each other. And we seem to be really good at some of these right now. We seem to be very good at strife, very good at anger, very good at quarrels and factions, when what we need is people filled with the Spirit, ready to offer love and kindness and generosity and self-control. Now, just because we're angry doesn't mean that all is lost. Remember, Paul was mad as all get out when he started writing this letter to the Galatians. He called them fools. He didn't call anybody else fools, right? But in writing this letter to them, Paul offers up his anger so that it is transformed into words of freedom and liberation and love through the Spirit of God. To live a life of freedom in the spirit that Paul outlines means that we say that we are strong enough and brave enough to see the complexity of the world in which we live in. 
We don't give in to the idolatry of easy answers, of something being a meet all the way right, all the way wrong, black or white, but to say that we understand that people are a lot messier than that. In the coming days, in our unsettled world, we don't have to be consumed by the anxiety or the anger or the strife. We can embrace the messiness of this moment if it allows us to keep our neighbor in focus and to keep our relationship with God strong. Because we, when we do that, we are able to offer up whatever sort of anger or anxiety we might have to God to be transformed. We can rest in the freedom of Christ that Paul talks about, knowing that it needs to be marked by love and by service. And it's through the Spirit that we can offer love and patience and kindness and generosity into a world that right now seems to be consumed with fear, easy answers, and division. Paul tells us that we live only because of the Spirit of God. And because we live by the Spirit, it's time that we allow ourselves to be guided by the same Spirit. Amen.